are in the Voices series. Yeah, I hope you guys have enjoyed all the incredible communicators that have been speaking over the last couple of weeks, lending their voice to our church. This weekend, we've got a very, very special guest. In fact, I, I'm super excited for you in particular to hear her voice because her voice is one that is impacting not only the generation right here at Coastal, but generations all around this community of Parkland and Coral Springs. And so today we have our very own student director, Susie LaForge, gonna be speaking to us today. So get on your feet, get ready for her to knock your socks off. Can we give it up for Pastor Susie LaForge? I paid all them to do that, so I'm out like 20 bucks, but that's fine. They get a dollar. No. Yeah, I got you. I got you. No, well, good morning, 9 a.m. You guys are the troopers here this morning. I've had a lot of caffeine, and I had to like contain myself a little bit during worship because I was like, Susie, you got to have some energy to be able to get through this. So, um, well, my name is Susie. Like Pastor TJ said, I'm the student ministry director here, which just means I'm the crazy person that hangs out with middle school and high school kids on a weekly basis. And let me just tell you that if you're in middle school or high school in here, I need to get you to get your life right and come hang out with us on a Wednesday night because it is where it is at. If you know somebody in middle and high school, if you have a middle or high schooler, if your aunties, cousins, grandmas, next door neighbor knows somebody that is in middle school or high school, make sure that they are here Wednesday nights at 7 because that is where it's at. It's a place where we are creating community for these students to be able to walk out the, the calling that God has on their life. And so make sure that they are here. You know, before I get into this message at all, I, I want to give honor where honor is due, and I want to talk a little bit about honor really quick, because I think that we've gotten this mistaken a little bit. You see, honor is not putting somebody on a pedestal. It's not saying that they're a better person than any of us, but what honor is, it's saying that we agree with God's choice. And I don't know about you, but I don't know very many people in this world that would give up all the conveniences that TJ and Shayla have given up to come and launch a church for people that they did not know. And I don't know about you, but I'm a product of their obedience to their calling. And so can we make some noise in this place so that they can hear us on their cruise ship for Pastors TJ and Shayla McCormick. I'm grateful for them. They are heroes in my life. So how many of you guys like movies? Does anybody like movies in here? All right, so good. I'm talking to the right crowd this morning. There was only like 10 hands last night, so we're good. But I don't know about you, but when I watch movies, I have this problem because I start to embody whatever the character was, right? So I'll never forget, I saw this movie Step Up, and it's not a Christian movie, but I'll get my Christian card back in a second. But it was this dance movie, and I rolled out of this movie like I was God's gift to dance. Like, I came out of the movie just, like, going backwards. I was, like, trying to, it was raining outside. I'm like, oh, it's like one of those rain scenes. Like, I just always wanted to be in that. And I thought that I was God's gift to dance, like, I just felt like I could go on America's Next Best Dance Crew and I could win it without a crew. Like, I don't even need a crew. It's just me, myself, and I. But I'm going to take over. And then one time I was watching this, this singing video. See, this was a, a Pure Flix original. It's a Christian one. I'm going to get my Christian card back right here. And there was this woman who was a singer, and she had this beautiful voice, but she started to sing secular music, and she ended up losing her voice. Well, it was this whole journey back to God, and she starts singing worship music again. And after I watched this movie, I was like, bro, that's it. Like, I'm just supposed to be singing worship music, and if I would just sing worship music, then this beautiful voice would come out. So I actually, Braden, I put myself on the schedule for next weekend, so you guys are going to hear this voice, you know, because I just watched that movie, so it's going to be good. 
But if it's a war movie, I'm enlisting because I think that I was always meant to be a soldier. If it's a superhero movie, I go out of it and I'm like, yo, I got a secret, but it's like so secret, I don't even know that I have it. And so like, I think I can fly, but I'm not gonna test it out. And so we're never gonna know. And forget it, if it's a chick superhero or if it's like a hardcore fighting chick movie, you better not catch me in the alley after that movie because I will fight you. Like I'm ready, security sign me up, I got y'all. But it, it doesn't matter, I have this problem. And so I've been obsessed with superheroes recently. And my husband, Kyle LaForge, who's normally in the back, let's give it up for our production people because let's be real. Nobody pays attention to y'all unless something goes wrong. Then everybody knows your name. <laughs> so Kyle's normally back there, but Kyle is like a grandpa. He goes to bed at like 8.30 at night, no joke. And I am not like that. And so what's been happening is I stay up late watching these superhero movies, all the like Netflix films, all this good stuff. But it, I've noticed, and maybe my imagination is just way too good for its own good, but it, it started to infiltrate it into my devotion time. I'm not joking you. I started to see superheroes in God's word. I'm not, you're going to get a little taste of this. So I've been in this book of Judges. And what's happening in Judges is that God is raising up this leader that comes and saves Israel, redeems Israel. They live in peace for as long as this leader lives. The moment that the leader dies, the entire nation goes back into their stubborn ways. They start serving other gods, doing whatever they want. And then they get, God's like, all right, if you're done with me, I'm done with you. And so he lets them go into the hands of their enemies. Well, then they get oppressed and they start, you know, getting abused, all these different things. And so they start crying back out to God, like, hey, God, I think we messed up 20 years ago. Can you, um, can you come save us again? And God, out of his grace, is like, sure. So he raises up another leader. This leader comes in and you see where I'm going with this. It's this vicious cycle over and over again. And so I started to see some of my favorite superheroes in these judges. And you guys are too, because I'm going to let you guys guess this first one. So there's this judge, and I want you to guess the superhero that you think correlates with it, right? Super, super strong, yet when he gets angry, starts demolishing things. Which superhero is that? Thank you! Samson is the judge, but Hulk, I'm telling you, whoever, God knew. Like, whoever made all these movies read their Bible. No joke. All right, so then there's this other guy named Shamgar. And Shamgar murks 600 Philistines with an ox goad. You know what an ox goad is? A stick. He took out 600 Philistines with a stick, and I could not help but think of the fact that Thor comes into these situations and hits a hammer on the floor, and entire armies fall out. Where, like, has anybody, I can't even nail a nail into the wall without hitting my thumb, yet he can come in and do all this crazy stuff with a hammer. And then there was this chick, she was a prophetess named Deborah, and there's this situation in Judges where she tells this man, like, hey, I'm telling you that you have victory over this, this battle. I want you to go fight this battle. And this man looks at her and he's like, I'm not going unless you go with me. And she's like, fine, have it your way, but just know that the victory is going to go to the hands of a woman. And I could not help, like, I'm telling you, I really do have a problem. But there's a scene in Endgame. I'm not giving anything away. Calm down if you haven't seen the movie. But... There's this scene where the entire team is looking at Captain Marvel saying, what is going to change this time? And with all confidence, she looks at them and says, you didn't have me. I was like, yo, that's Deborah. <laughs> like, I, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I have a problem. And so this is Deborah, and that's Captain Marvel. Tell me they don't resemble each other is all I'm saying. Okay. So then there's this last one. It's not from the book of Judges, so I shouldn't even have it in my message, but I had to do this one. And I'm going to let you guess this superhero too, Right. A young buck, so a young kid that everybody overlooks, has one of the weirdest, like, superpowers. Who am I talking about? 
okay, tell me that that doesn't remind you of King David rolling up when an entire army is terrified of a giant. And here he comes with his little pebbles like, all right, yeah, I got this. Guys, I can knock down spider webs with my pinky toe, yet somehow Spider-Man rolls up on these scenes and takes out some of the biggest uh, defeater or destroyers. I don't know, whatever. He just comes in and like, he over, I, I don't know, I don't know. That's David though. But I can see so much of our culture in the Old Testament. I, I love the Old Testament. Um, a lot of people have trouble reading the Old Testament. I love it because I see a lot of today's culture inside of it. And so I want to read to you in this, in this portion of Judges so you don't think I'm making all of this up. I want you to know that it truly is in God's word. But in Judges 2, 10 through 12, in verse 15, it says, After that, an entire, a whole generation had been gathered to their fathers, meaning they passed away. Another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the people around them. They were in great distress. Verse 18 says, Whenever the Lord raised up a judge or a leader for them, he was with the judge and saved them out of the hands of their enemies as long as the judge lived. For the Lord had compassion on them as they groaned under those who oppressed them and afflicted them. But when the judge died, the people returned to the ways even more corrupt of their fathers, following other gods and serving and worshiping them. They refused to give up their evil practices and stubborn ways. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I sit back and I wait for the next Billy Graham to show up. Like Billy Graham saved all those people. He did a great job. Or I sit back and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to let the paid Christians do it. Like, oh, we have Stephen Furtick out there. He's doing a great job. Congratulations. We have Christine Kane. Good. You know, we have Rich Wilkerson Jr. down in Miami. He's doing a great job. He's got Miami taken care of. We have these paid Christians that are out there doing a great job. And I think I kind of sit back and just say, oh, well, I'll let them do their job. But let me just tell you that if we keep sitting back waiting for them to do their job, there will be an end game. And the end game is going to be a generation that doesn't know who Jesus is. The end game is going to be a generation plagued by anxiety, depression, and darkness. A generation that is isolated and more concerned about what side they're on than getting to know their neighbors. A generation that has forgotten what it looks like to love God, love people, and show it. And so we have to rise up. You see, I want to read you some statistics because sometimes I think we care a little bit more about the fact that a movie series has ended than we do a generation that's rising up behind us. You see, Generation Z, here's some statistics for you. They're being known as the first post-Christian generation. This is 1999 through 2015, so this is the generation after mine. It says 34% of Generation Z's religious affiliation is either atheist, agnostic, or none. Generation Z identifies double, so the amount of Generation Z that identifies as an atheist is double the amount of the U.S. adult population. The elders, the boomers, the millennials, all together make up half of what this new generation is saying that they are atheists. Only 34% of Gen Z agree that lying is morally wrong. 24% say that what is morally wrong and right changes over time based upon society. 58% of this generation agrees that many religions can lead to eternal life. There's no one true religion. I don't know about you, but those statistics make me mad. That frustrates me. 
But I think this is because we've all sat back and let the paid Christians do their job. And you see, what happens in the New Testament is the solution to this vicious cycle that plagued the Old Testament. You see, here enters Jesus, the greatest superhero of all time. And he flips the script on all of us. He changes the playbook. He said, no longer are you going to wait for one man to rise up to do this work. No, 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 no. You are all called and commanded. It is now all of your jobs. No longer is this going to die out when the judge dies. No, this is going to live on for generations and generations and generations to come. And Jesus must have done something right because he left this earth physically. He is not physically walking this earth anymore. Yet everything that he started has continued to go on without him physically being here. And so what can we learn from his final words that we can take to feel equipped for the responsibility that he's given us? Because how many of you guys know that he has given us everything that we need to perform the responsibilities that he's placed on us? And so in Luke 24, 46 through 49, he told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all of the nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. You know, this first thing that we've been given, we're going to kind of dive around and jump around this verse a little bit, but the first thing that we've been given is power. You know, I hear people say all the time, I am so scared of where our generation is headed. I am terrified of the things that I see in society. Where is our future? They feel powerless in their finances. People feel powerless in their relationships. You feel powerless in your marriages. You feel powerless in your emotions. But can I just remind you that in 2 Timothy 1.7 it says, But God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of self-discipline. We are not to be fearful. We have everything that we need. We have power that God has promised us. But how many of you guys know that power is only reliable as its source? You see, superheroes are confident when they go into burning buildings because they know that they have the power to do so. Yet we have access to the greatest superhero that has ever lived, and we doubt ourselves. We have access to the power that performed miracles on the daily, the power that healed the sick, the power that rose people from the dead, the power that multiplied bread and fish, the power that rose Jesus from the grave. We have access to that power. I don't know about you, but I'm confident in the power that we have. Jesus even says in his own words in John 16, 7, he said, it is to your advantage that I go. Jesus said, the thing that I'm sending you will be more powerful than if I was to stay on this earth with you. But how many of you guys know that with great power comes great? My Spider-Man fans, that's what I'm talking about. Comes great responsibility. So number two, we have been given purpose. I was going to put responsibility here, but I hear all the cool pastors keep it to the same letter, so it's purpose for today. We've been given purpose. It says repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to the nations. You are witnesses of this. I want you to think about these final words right here because Jesus is leaving. 
And that was a future tense thing. It says, will be preached, meaning whoever is listening to him at that moment are the people that are going to go out and preach it. He's done preaching. He, he did his time. He did what he came to do. Now it's their responsibility. It's our responsibility. And in Matthew, Jesus sums up all of our purpose in four words. Are you ready for this? People always want purpose in life. They want to know why they were here. You want to know why you're here? Have you been waiting for this your whole life? Are you ready? Go and make disciples. What's your purpose? Four words. Now, it's going to look different. It's going to manifest differently because of the passions and the interests and the experiences that you've been given. And so it's going to happen in different realms and different places of influence. But I want to ask you a couple of questions because I want to start to stir some of those passions. Number one, what breaks your heart? Number two, what frustrates you the most? And number three, what would you do if you never got paid to do it? And maybe you're like, Susie, why did you ask that question about frustrating? Because sometimes our deepest passions lie in our greatest frustrations. You ready for this? When you're frustrated about something, it's because you see a problem. And most of the time, you are the solution to that very problem. And where the frustration is built is in that tension of you see a problem, you know the solution, but you're not doing anything about it until you start stepping in to be the solution. That is where you find purpose. I'm going to be real with you. Teenagers frustrate the mess out of me. Yeah, yes, you, you guys are some of them. And you're like, Susie, you should probably rethink your career. But no, because it's in my greatest frustration with them is because I see the potential that they could be. I know what God has planned for them. And yes, I get frustrated by their behavior, but I'm going to do something about it because I refuse to let this statistic be a reality. I refuse to let Generation Z grow up as the post-Christian generation. And so I'm going to do something about it. And there are things inside of you that God is stirring, that the Holy Spirit is stirring because you see a problem. And listen, listen, listen. I see people all the time on Facebook ranting about their frustrations. Stop trying to get people on your side and start doing the work because you are the solution to the problem. And other people might not see the same problems as you, and that's okay because God designed you to be the solution to that specific problem. You know, purpose is great and all, but it means nothing if we don't embrace where we are. And so number three, we've been given a placement. You see, the definition of placement is the assignment of a person to a suitable place. It says in this verse, beginning at Jerusalem. And just like Star City, Gotham City, and Metropolis, we have been given a placement. We have been given a place of influence but I think so often we're too consumed by our past, we're too fearful of our future, and we're too busy in our present to be successful at seeing that our placement is for a reason. And parents, I want to pause right here because I need to talk to y'all. Your kids need you. That is your placement as their parent. God chose you to be their parent for a reason. They do not need more things. They do not need more activities. They do not need more sports. They do not need busier schedules. They need you. I can tell you a student when, by their demeanor when they walk into my youth group if their parents are intentional with them or not. 
There is a difference in the way that they carry themselves because their security and their foundation and their identity comes from you. And when that family unit is broken, so are those kids. They need you more than anything else in this world besides Jesus, but you know, you're their, you're their pathway to that. And you see, Jesus was the busiest man ever. Like I know that we think we have busy schedules, but imagine Jesus' schedule. Now put a crowd around you at all times. I don't know about you, but I would start throwing elbows at people because I like can't handle people that close to me. Like I have a bubble. Jesus didn't have a bubble. Yet Jesus would walk the earth and amidst the crowds, he could still see the one that needed healing. He could still feel somebody touch the rim of his robe because he was still present in his placement. And as he walked through the crowds, he still saw the people that needed to be seen. We have no excuse. You see, I am who I am today because people were present in their placement. And there are a hundred, there are so many people that I could tell you about that have poured into me, that have talked to me, but there's this one that I want to hone in on this morning because she was my youth leader. And she was one of the most fearless human beings I had ever met in my entire life. She drove faster than any, I, I was so nervous in her car all the time. But she loved people better than I saw anybody love people. She saw the good in everybody. She saw potential in everybody. She would pick up, kid you not, this is a true story. She would pick up homeless people on the side of the road. And she would go get them food, take them out to eat, and drive them wherever they needed to go. I was like, yeah, I don't know how um, safe that is. But she goes, don't worry about it. This woman saw a leader in me. And she said, hey, I want you to come along with me. And I want you to follow me as I follow Jesus. I don't know all the answers. I don't have everything for you. But I just want you to walk and do life with me. And she taught me as a student how to lead middle school girls. And what to do and how to show them how to, how to be this Christ follower. I remember doing this, I don't know how she got this approved, but we did this huge like ice cream fight where we like chucked ice cream at each other. I was like, TJ would never approve that. <laughs> but she, I remember those things and I'll never forget, she got engaged and she was one of those people that you just always wanted to see as a wife and as a mom because she just had that in her. And two weeks before her wedding day, she was in Orlando with a um, group of friends and she was in the back of a pickup truck and she ended up falling out of the back of the pickup truck and hitting her head. And this trauma sent her into a coma, and she ended up passing away from that coma. And I'll never forget, after she passed, I promised God that I would keep her legacy alive. I said, I want to love people the way that Melissa loved people. I want to see people the way that Melissa saw people. Her life, although it was short, inspired the woman that you see today. But she was present in her placement. And our placement doesn't have purpose until we're present in it. And this whole message is the God-honest truth that you can be that hero for somebody. Your life can inspire the next generation behind you because of how you live, because of how you see people. But it's going to take you being present and walking around and seeing the cashier that might need an encouraging word, to see your friend that might need a handwritten letter, to see the people around you that might just need a smile. 
And so in just a minute, I'm going to pray that spirit of confidence over us. Not confidence in who we are, but confidence in the power that lies inside of us to start to change atmospheres around us. To start to be present in the places that God has put before us because every single person that you pass on a daily basis is an opportunity for you to tell them about Jesus. You want to know another statistic that I'm sick of is that 97% of Broward County is unchurched. Why? There are 1,200 people that walk into these doors. If we invited one person, that statistic could change. We are called. It is our responsibility to carry out and to live out the gospel. And I refuse to leave this room because I think that there's somebody that walked in here today that feels powerless. They feel purposeless and they feel like they do not belong. And you're listening to all of this and there's something happening inside of you. You want access to all of this. But access to all of this only comes with a relationship with Jesus. And so we're going to pray a prayer, and it's called the salvation prayer. And it's nothing super spiritual, it's not creepy, and it's not even about the words that I have to say, it's the positioning of your heart. It's you saying, I'm done trying to live this life without God. So today, God, I'm going to choose to follow you. And so would all of you just close your eyes for a second? Because I truly believe that that person is in here. And if it's just for you, I want you to feel seen today. In the midst of a crowd, I want you to know that we see you hurting. That God sees you. And maybe you walked in here and you feel powerless in your situation. And you want everything that we're talking about today. Would you raise your hand in this place so that we can lead you in a prayer? you. And remember, it's not about my words. You say it however you want in your prayer. But just say, God, I need you. I am so sick of living this life without you. And I know that I'm separated from you, but I am so grateful for the fact that you sent your son to pave the way so that I can have direct access to you and to everything that you offer. And today I choose Jesus as my Lord and the Savior of my life. I want access to this power. And Heavenly Father, I pray for the rest of us in this room. I pray a spirit of power would rise up. I pray that everyone would walk out of here feeling empowered and ready to live out the gospel on a daily basis. That there would not be one person that crosses our path that we don't take the opportunity to ask how they're doing. God, that we would start to use our words to encourage and to enlighten and to inspire those around us so that they can see Jesus as we live our lives. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth that it holds, that it reminds us that we are not alone. And so, God, I pray a desire to read more of it. I pray that we would wake up desiring to know more about you and that we would dive into your word and be able to hold on to truth so that we can get to know your heart and see people the way that you saw them. And it's in your name that we all said, amen.